0: again, he gets the edge, and he brings the court by Kawaja in the gully. Drops it at his toes and comes through for a single, for the
1: first time in the Australian summer, an Australian batsman gets the chance to kiss the bat. Head down the pitch, he drives, this could be it, he beats him off. The arm is in the air already, there's nothing quite like your first test
0: century. The Renegades have proved that nothing is impossible.
2: Test
1: cricket! Covering cricket across Australia and right around the globe. This is Stumps with Bryce McGain and Jordan Cornelis. Well, the waiting period between two test matches, two test series can always feel a little bit long. But luckily enough, in the world of cricket, there's always something to keep you entertained and in the last couple of days, in particular, the last 24 hours, has been plenty to keep us entertained. The Women's Big Bash League is into its finals now, semifinals today, final tomorrow. It's winding down to the pointy end of the season. And as I said, in the last 24 hours, a bit happening in the Sheffield Shield in particular, uh, down in Melbourne, which has just thrown up a whole range of questions in the space of a couple of hours in uh, light or in um, readiness for Arguably the biggest test match of the summer. Jordan Canellas here with you. Bryce McGain alongside myself once again for Stubbs. Hello, Bryce. Ten uh, weeks in now. Ha- ten weeks already. Happy 10th. Hey, that's gone really quick. It has. Fair bit happening today. at The oh, MCG. Yeah. And you were right there. I was right
2: there in the thick of the action. You and- were
1: practically standing on the pitch as it was deteriorating and evaporating.
2: <laughs> well, practically, yeah. I had a good view from the commentary box. And, Literally. Uh, yeah, and what I saw before the game was a softer wicket. Mm-hmm. So I went out there, gave it a poke and a prod, and for this moment, uh, my thumb went into the pitch, and I thought, oh, that's a bit softer than what we've experienced. Uh, spoke to Ashton Agar I said, what do you reckon? And he goes, oh, I reckon there's a bit there. And they were batting, so he was a bit nervous, I think. <laughs> um, so what had actually happened, the play was suspended after – WA had moved along into the second session. They were three for 89. And uh, they a few of the balls started rising off a of length, and that's probably the – it started popping off the wicket. So yeah. what that really meant was that early on when the wicket was a bit wet, um, there were divots, uh, not necessarily chunks of the wicket coming out, but as the ball pitches, it sort of just pushes a little groove into the, into the pitch. So when it's soft, it does that. When it starts to harden up – they start becoming a bit crusty and then the ball starts hitting them and, oh, and popping right. up off the surface. So that's, that's what happened. Uh, it was said after the last uh, shield game, which ended up in a draw uh, and that was more to do with the weather than anything else, cold weather and a lot of um, overs lost due to rain, pretty much a full day. Third day was washed out. Uh, that, it would have been good to have a bit more in the wicket early. And I think the curator might've heard those from Pete Hanscom um, said, well, it would have been good to have a bit more in it. So he's tried a bit more in it and it's a, maybe a bit too much. So the, the combination of the, the moisture in the wicket is unfortunately a bit too much. So they've actually suspended play. Play was abandoned for the day. It'll resume tomorrow. So the, the umpires then allowed the wicket to be rolled and it's getting cross rolled as we speak tonight to flatten it out. And reload again tomorrow. They're treating it like a weather break in the game, and they're trying to. They will recuperate some overs uh, over the next three days.
1: So that is is that unprecedented to have to be rolling the pitch in this basically right in the middle of an innings. Yeah, it
2: is. Uh, well, it's not unprecedented. It has happened before. But having said that, the, the umpires have the jurisdiction to to do whatever's required to keep the game going, uh, and in this. Instance, they said, Well, this is the way we're going to make the wicket safe. So, a couple of deliveries uh, that were alarming one that um, uh, went up off a back of a length and got Mitch Marsh in the grill. Mm-hmm. So, it certainly bounced more than we anticipated. Mitch Marsh didn't go back. He was on the crease. He wasn't expecting that. And he was looking to go forward at all costs to try and smother any movement. There's a bit of seam and swing in the air. So, he was looking to push forward a bit. So he got caught out. And the other one was uh, Marcus Stoinis as well. Got one that um, reared up a bit. Um, again, that back of a length area and, and hit the side. They both got hit in the grill. Um, uh, Stoinis hit on the left ear, but uh, they're the alarming ones. And then there was one that, uh, that seemed back that uh, hit Marcus Stoinis in the ribs and knocked the wind out of him. But there was a few, there's many, many others that, that yeah. hit them in the gloves. So things like that, it just rose up a bit more off the wicket. So um it certainly concerned from the wa players but at 3 for 89 it, it wasn't horrific let's put it that okay. way
1: but that's so that was enough for the umpires to see that and go that's that's dangerous
2: yeah i think there was an approach by the wa captain and coach to the match referee and then that got filtered out to the umpires and they they paused the game uh, gathered the information, br- brought the curator out on the ground, uh, had the two captains and the two umpires were had a discussion on the pitch. And then from that point, they said, well, look, we're going to suspend it until we have a look at it. They rolled it and rolled it um, up and down the wicket is probably the best way to describe that stump to stump with the, yep. um, with the hand roller, not the big tractor roller, the hand roller. Okay. And then from that, they looked at it and went, okay, there's not a great deal of difference. Um, so then they said, suspend it for the day. And then they started cross rolling. So that means they're rolling it on a diagonal, uh, to smooth out any lumps like that. Sometimes if it's a bit uneven and you roll up and down, it just sort of. Uh, create some ridges in the wicket. Anyway, it's just a way to roll at different angles.
1: You need to have a bit of a green thumb to be a cricketer, apparently.
2: Well, there's a fair bit <laughs> that goes on into pitch preparation, and maybe this time they it, – it's always the balance. Pitch, pitches are prepared through moisture yeah. and, and the rolling and also sun, and that, that's how they're put together. Too much moisture at this stage. A bit, bit like baking a cake. T- too much moisture.
1: Yeah, no, not, not good. Yeah. Um, so did would the Vicks have known about – the pitch being that extreme. Yeah. So they would have had a hand in that, but did they know it was going to be to that extent? Yeah. Did they
2: planned for that? Probably not. They won the toss and didn't hesitate to bowl first, I can assure you. Yes. <laughs> uh, so that that was what they went through. There was bounce and carry again. That was in the, in the previous two games at the MCG. So the wicket is well improved. Overreaction to go, oh, they've lost the plot here. And um, I guess the next question is obviously about the Boxing Day test. We're yeah. a couple of weeks away from that, uh, a little over a couple of weeks. And, uh, this is the last game on the MCG uh, pitch surface. It's not the same wicket, of course. It'll be on a different wicket. Mm-hmm. But look, we don't need to stress about that. It'll be fine. They know what they're doing. They've got it under control.
1: This one was just a little bit uh, juiced up, I suppose. Right. So uh, better than what we've seen in the last couple of years, but not as not as good. Oh, no, terrific science. Today. Yeah, look, t- excellent science
2: with what the curator, Matt Page, is doing. There's bounce, there's carry, it's exciting, there's seam. All those things that probably haven't been there when it's been a bit um, dead, I yeah. suppose it's got a lively wicket. So um, yeah, just today, not a good day for the
3: curator.
1: <laughs> How's the game going in general? So we're only a day in, and it's been been uh, obviously suspended. Um, but what what was the the general flow of the match outside of all of the uh, the the controversy and the erratic pitch?
2: Yeah, three for eighty nine. Big news, Cameron Bancroft. Caught at leg gully again. Ooh. Five out of six times. The last five out of six times he's batted in Sheffield Shield Creek. Caught at leg gully. Extraordinary. We couldn't believe it that another catch went there. The fielder was in place, and we, we knew that was going to be the case. But to get the catch going there was extraordinary. He was out for 10. Jake Carter, a, a young, early 20s player, um, just starting his career. He got 44 and batted pretty well. Sean Marsh got 14. Um, Peter Siddle, the destroyer. He was fantastic. He is bowling better than I've ever seen him bowl in the last few Shield games. He's been so impressive, really, really impressive. He had all three wickets. In actual fact, it was three for 21 or 14 overs. He was really, really impressive. So three for 89 WA. A few other um, Sheffield Shield games going on. Um, Queensland batting first uh, at the SCG. They're six for 240. Uh, going along pretty nicely there. Jimmy Pearson and uh, Michael Nees are in at the moment uh, on 38 and 28 respectively. And South Australia won the toss and bowled at Bell Reeve eight for 207. Um, and it's only Simon Malenko on 59. The rest a uh, few starts at the top of your order, but uh, some good bowling there. Joe Many with three wickets and Wes Agar and Nick Winter with two. Good choice for the Redbacks to bowl first. Yeah, yeah, definitely down there. It's been a bit lively. Um, and and by by all means, it's just um, some movement off the scene down there. So yeah, good decision, I think. South Australia, incidentally, haven't won a shield game for over eighteen months. So hmm. they they're well, they're on the right start here. Hopefully, they can uh, bounce back from uh, that lean trot.
1: What are we taking away from this uh, group of shield games? What's 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 at stake? Because the. The squad for the first Ash, uh, the first ashes the first uh, New Zealand test has been uh, locked and loaded. Locked yep. and loaded. Just the one change. We'll um, go into that a little bit uh, later on. But um, but for the players at the moment, I mean, they're all here. They're all on hand. It's the thirteen man squad. But players can easily be be pulled up and, and called up and thrown out of the team. So I would imagine that players are still in the back of their mind. Those who are on the fringe, like a Peter Siddle, who's taken the three wickets, like Sean Marsh, who's had a good. Run over the last month or so, and like, absolutely like uh, the the host of Queensland players as mm. well, amongst others. Yep, um, they're all still playing for a spot. Yeah, they are. Look, I, I think a lot of them would would have settled
2: now into the what's the right thing for the team now. How do we get our team in a good position? This is a last shield game before the Big Bash kicks off, so it's they need to get their team some points and they need to win it and they need to do what's required for the team. So I think the focus probably go goes towards uh, that. Uh, I know that when there's opportunities and the the, the the tests are coming up, when we had three Shield games leading into the first test selection against uh, Pakistan, there's all sorts of options uh, thrown up and about. Uh, I think now they just need to do what's required to get some points. Victoria desperately need them. They're on zero. Uh, well, they haven't had an outright result in the, the five Shield games. So the six one now gives them that opportunity. Um, and same with South Australia. Uh,
1: the... Uh have some of these shield teams been a little bit uh, lackluster to start the season? The, the Vicks have certainly. South Australia have as well. Tasmania, I think Western Australia only notched up their second win recently. Mm. Um, so it feels like that the bottom four, New South Wales, with with all of their Australian players in at the start of the season, always start well. So they were on yeah. top of the shield uh, standings. Um, but has it been a sluggish start for for the majority of the teams? It's probably, it just, yeah, it's probably fair to say that and more from, so than more so than. Past seasons or half of the course?
2: Well, completely uh, foreign territory for the Victorians. Uh, they're usually yeah. on top of the table at this stage and, and really. Uh, flexing their muscle up there. They need to bounce back. They've mm-hmm. had a lot of change, enormous change going through. You know, we, we talk about three players that miss games for mental health, and that's Glenn Maxwell, uh, Nick Maddison, and also uh, Will Bukoski. Yeah, so so they've had some dramatic changes, and their team is made up very differently. They've got further injuries. Scott Boland is out at the moment with an injury, and he's been a leading wicket-taker, and also John Holland is out of the team as well. He's got a shoulder injury and probably requires surgery, in, uh, which might might Be a little exclusive here, but um, yeah, so that's um, disappointing for the Vic. So they've just gone through a, a lot of different players, uh, there. Um, look, uh, not to mention coaches, too. Yeah, that's yeah, the, the turnaround of that, in yep. Andrew, McDonald, Andrew McDonald, exactly. So there's probably been a, a bit of a bit a bit unsettling. It hasn't been a settled lineup that's done well, and that's probably what the strength of the Victorian cricket has, has been over recent times. Uh, and I uh, look. There's still a lot of games to go and results will come after after the break, after the big bash is done, results start to happen and teams get a bit desperate. They start opening up the declarations and things like that, looking to bowl teams out to go and get some points. So funny things happen at the back end of the season.
1: The women's big bash and we'll have Megan Schutt from the Adelaide Strikers on in uh, a few moments from now. But just to give an update on where that is at. So the Strikers did win earlier today, uh, beating the Perth Scorchers by eight wickets. Another fantastic performance from Sophie Devine, the player of the season. 65 not out, opening the batting, helped along by Talia McGrath with 36, and then Bridget Patterson closed things out for the Strikers in their chase with 16 not out. Set up earlier by the 126 for the loss of seven wickets by Perth, batting first. Uh, Top order was uh, dismissed, uh, pretty cheaply. Nicole Bolton, 12. Meg Lanning, just the one, which was probably the, you could probably say the turning point without her contribution. That really uh, made Perth suffer a little bit. They got some runs from Georgia Redmayne, but uh, you feel like, uh, not to say Perth equals Meg Lanning because they've yep. got plenty of other contributors, but when it's your leader and uh, and that, that would have rattled the whole team.
2: Yeah, no doubt. They do rely on her a bit at the top of the order, making some runs, uh, aggressive through the power play because uh, she's such a great, great, stroke player, Um, getting her out for one, well, the the Strikers, that heads you right on the the path of restricting the total to something really manageable, and they did that 120. Um, The Strikers are a huge chance. It looks like they'll be playing the heat um, as they look like they're about to get over the Renegades. Eight runs needed off 21 balls. Which is a shame because I thought the Renegades would win it. So anyway, and it would have been nice to have uh, the the Strikers, uh, the team that I... Did play for in the Big Bash, uh, yeah. playing against a, a Melbourne-based team like the Renegades, um, who I know a few of the players, of course.
1: Colour clash then tomorrow.
2: It w- well, <laughs> yeah, light, yeah. light blue against royal blue. <laughs> yeah, so maybe they have a clash jumper that they'll, <laughs> they'll slip into. But uh, look, it's a terrific. The women's Big Bash have been outstanding this year, but we'll delve into yeah. a bit, that a bit more later on. Absolutely, we have a super guest too.
1: We do. Megan Short coming up next from the winning Adelaide Strikers team here on Stumps. Jordan Canellas, Bryce McGain this evening. We'll continue on with WBBL next.
0: You're listening to
1: Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket. Welcome back to Stumps. Jordan Kanellis and Bryce McGain this afternoon on what is semi-final day for the Women's Big Bash League. Already one team into tomorrow's final at Allen Border Fields and one more about to be uh, inducted, I suppose, entered into the final, whatever you want to describe it as. The Brisbane Heats are... If this runs to the boundary, Bryce, give us some commentary.
2: Well, I think it's done. Hit through point there you go. and they've made it.
1: They've made it through to the final. So now we know with certainty who is in the final, and that is perfect timing because we've got Megan Schutt from the Adelaide Strikers with us here on Stumps. Megan, you've, oh, you're watching as well, I know, uh, but we'll talk about your <laughs> game earlier from today. Congratulations, firstly, because you were the first team into the Big Bash final uh, for this year. Um, great game from from your team earlier.
3: Firstly, thanks very much. Um, we're obviously pretty excited to be in there. I think we deserved to, to win that game, but we, you know, obviously cricket owes us nothing. We had to go out there and win it, and, and that's what we did. We played with confidence, but to be honest, it was kind of just an all-round good performance from the team. Obviously, Sophie kind of led the way, which she always has, but at the same time with the ball to keep the scorches down to 125 and a Field, um, yeah, it was kind of half a day, half a game done.
1: You had the uh, best bowling figures uh, for the day as well for Adelaide, two for fourteen, including some uh, top order wickets. Nicole Bolton out for twelve, and Chloe Paparo out for six. And uh, as you said, um, Sophie Devine playing brilliantly as well. She took Meg Lanning's wicket. Um, how crucial was it that you were able to uh, to knock over that top order for Perth to uh, be able to to um, restrict their score?
3: Yeah, it was huge. Um, obviously, we do quite a lot of analysis before a game and, and kind of the statistics showed that if they didn't lose a wicket in a power play, they went on to win every single game. So um, we knew that early wickets were absolutely crucial. To get Meg really early obviously would shake up their batting order a little bit. I think it makes them a little bit more nervous. But at the same time, they had a pretty, pretty deep middle order there. But I think we restricted them well and they came home pretty hard. But at the end of the day, being only just overrun a ball and Alan Border isn't going to
2: work for you too many times. No, not at all. Megan, great to be talking to you. And congratulations. It's uh, great to be talking to a fellow Strikers player. Uh, I, I played in the the first version of it. Only a couple of games for the Adelaide Strikers, but they are my team. So I'm, I'm really happy that the girls have got through. <laughs> Um, well done on your tournament I know that um, early on You bowled exceptionally well You're bowling really well But not getting the rewards with the wickets And then later on in the tournament Regularly getting uh, two wickets a game Did you do anything differently?
3: No No I was uh, To be honest I was just a bit unlucky for the start of it I think um, I had a period I think it was four games in a row I didn't take a wicket But I reckon I mean I'm a bit biased Being a bowler But I had a few <laughs> Plum LBW share, but they don't seem to ever give out these days. Um, and games like that just didn't go my way, and they seem to bog either side of the fielder. But it kind of worked because it was working down the other end, and Sophie was taking them as well. You know, us as an opening pair obviously balance each other quite well, and hopefully, one of us is either taking wickets in the power play. So, um, yeah, it just works that it happened to be me this game.
2: How good a player is Sophie Devine? She is opening the batting, opening the bowling, making runs every game, doing the job. She must be something special to be playing cricket with.
3: <laughs> yeah, no pressure on Sophie Devine. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolute, it's only a final tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, I know. But she's just so much, she's calm and collected too. And I think that's the best thing about, that, about her. Is she doesn't actually really place that pressure on herself. And that's probably why she performs the way she does. But she's just got so many accolades now and I'm, think she's going to need a bit of excess luggage on the way back to New Zealand with all the trophies, but um, she's someone who stands up uh, with a bat and ball, but also in the field. She's taken a few ripper catches, and, yeah, you can't really keep her out of the game.
2: So what what's the secret to her success? Obviously, she, she's a risk taker at the top of the order, and she gets you off to great starts all the time, but you're saying that she's calm, but there's, there's got to be more to it than, than just being calm.
3: Um, She's obviously played cricket for a long time for her country so I think she's got the experience there but I think having the hockey background um, makes her a really strong player with her wrist so she's obviously she's built huge, it's a Kiwi way, and so she can smoke a long bomb on the leg side through pure strength but then she's got such quick hands through point and cover if you drop short and that's her hockey background so the fact she has kind of the delicate touch, the cut and the brutal strength, she's kind of like an all-round package and yeah just goes out there and plays confidently.
1: The other Kiwi in your team Susie Bates is the captain um, but Sophie Devine we'll talk about Susie Bates in a sec but Sophie Devine her her leadership qualities she's one of the older players in the uh, in the team but is she an active leader amongst the amongst the squad too?
3: Yeah definitely I think obviously having played so much cricket um, and being an international you're always kind of um, expected to provide more of that knowledge I think and It's obviously warranted, and I think we're on the field um, when we converge as, I guess, a leadership little group, me, Susan, so the often three, so um, she's, yeah, she's obviously got some good knowledge there, but isn't afraid to share it, and I think that's a quality that is often hard to come by. People can be brilliant in their minds, but if you can't share it, it's not really going to help the team, so um, yeah, she does that well.
2: Now you've all got a, had an opportunity this afternoon to suss out your opposition with a with an eye on both the red and the and the local team. Now, what can you expect for tomorrow, and how do you think the game will play out?
3: Yeah, we're well, just seeing the heat one that was that was honestly my bet. Um, I think that they were the, the better quality side there, but mm. I don't know T uh, Twenty cricket. You never really know what you're in for in a way with obviously got our plans and I think the good part is we've already taken a game off them this year and they've taken one of us so we know that both of us believe that we're beatable which is probably a good mentality to go into the game with um, but Beth Mooney is a pretty key wicket early we know that she sets the sets the pace whether she's um, setting it first innings or if she's chasing it so I think you know if we can get her early that puts a bit of a shatter in, in the batting order for them, um, make them panic a little bit but other than that I think if we just bowl to the best of our ability well and that well we've we've got the capabilities
1: to, to beat them how did the team approach the uh, the prospect of playing finals the semi-final today the final tomorrow it's only the second time that the Adelaide strikers have, have made the finals um in the uh in the what four, five year history now of the women's big bash so how did you approach this uh this post-season period uh
3: very differently um <laughs> really we we kind of went in there i think the last time when we made the semi-final and well we ended up getting thrashed i don't think we actually believed we deserved to be there and to be honest we didn't we we kind of snuck in on on a bit of a default we, we won a game we shouldn't have and then someone else lost the game they shouldn't have so we kind of snuck in and we we're like oh we're just happy to be there in a sense whereas this was you know, we deserved to to make the semi-final and we've got got here by playing good cricket so we just approached it that same way and there were there are some nerves around, but it just shows that you care, really. But I think we're more excited than anything.
2: One of the things that uh, is happening here at Stumps, Megan, is that whoever we talk to, <laughs> oh, yeah. whoever we talk to, actually goes out and performs a- a- out of control. <laughs> we are the turbo charge for every cricketer that we've oh, spoken you're a good to. Luck, we-, we spoke to Callum Ferguson early in the year, and he hasn't stopped making oh, I love hundreds. Him. As he has not stopped making hundreds <laughs> since he spoke to us. Uh, a lot of the WBBL players, they're on fire as well. So the the opportunity for you now is to be the best player in the final. Is that part of your, your thinking this afternoon and tomorrow? Because I think it's inevitable that it's going to happen.
3: <laughs> well, firstly, I hope you're not talking to any Brisbane Heat players because otherwise you're just jinxing the both of us here. Uh, secondly, you can't hope for 100 off me. That's never going to happen. Maybe a quick five, 10 or four would be my goal. But, hey, I'm ready for expectation. I'm happy to, more than happy to take wickets tomorrow.
2: Well, probably the main one, Beth Mooney, you mentioned that at the top of the order. They do bat deep and, boy, they've got some power through the middle. So some early wickets in the power play, that could be the, the part that sets it up for you.
3: Yeah, I think so. Obviously, as I said, um, Beth is, is a crucial wicket there, but at the same time they, they've they got some balances there. Matty opens with her, plays a little bit more finesse in a way, and then obviously you have the Harris sisters who are brute power, but at the same time I think if we execute our bowling plans you know, to players like that, some good Yorkers obviously shut them down quite early and we'll get them playing shots that they don't want to play, so for me that's more the plan as a bowler. Um, yeah.
1: How about playing Brisbane, the prospect of playing Brisbane at Allen Border Field up in Queensland, is that being against the uh, against the crowd, against the tide—is that something that you'll relish?
3: Yeah, I like it. it gives, uh, <laughs> it's more incentive to actually hold your catches. I think um, you can kind of rub it in their face a little bit. I think Brisbane's a second home for me. Um, I lived up there for a couple of years, so um, I quite like it and the conditions. So we know that they're going to be a rowdy crowd. But to be honest, it's just nice. Seeing, a big crowd out there supporting women's
2: cricket. Talking about rowdy, who in your team is uh, the biggest celebrator after the game tonight? Who was the most, or this <laughs> afternoon? Who was the, who was the most excited? Who carried on the most in the rooms?
3: Uh, I did not even know, to be honest. Um, it wasn't you, all, was it all Megan? All on the same level. No, nah, I was out there just you know signing all my fans, <laughs> just trying to keep busy. <laughs> 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 I think we all rushed to the ice bars as quick as we could since it was like forty degrees out there. I think we for the first time ever, spent more time in the ice than required. So, um, yeah, cooling down was probably our, our first thing rather than celebrating. But um, me, Alex Price and Sarah Coyd are kind of the three little best friends that we call ourselves. And, you know, we had you know, a little bit of a moment there together after the game of just pure excitement.
1: No issues backing up one day after the other as well. You've been doing it for most of the season. Every every team's had a chance to do that. But going from the semifinal to the final in consecutive days, no issues?
3: No, nah, not at all. I think we've, well, we were used to playing um, back-to-back games and we had the, I think a few of us have had the hardest part of the, the season, which was playing a night game and then a morning game the following day. So like a 12-hour break in between, it was a bit ridiculous. So I think if we can get through that, we can get through anything and think the adrenaline of a final um, is going to get you up and about anyway. So might as well get it over and done with. Don't, don't let it sit in your head too much.
2: Megan, we're really excited for you for tomorrow. But I guess in general, uh, over the growth you've played in every year of the women's Big Bash, w- what have you noticed the differences now from um, the, the the first time it started? You know, we're in the fifth version of it now. I'm certainly observing things as a commentator from the outside, but internally, well, what are your experiences?
3: Um, I think the fielding has been outstanding this season. As um, <clears throat> sorry, if you go, if you look from first WBBL, I think it was real part time in a sense. Internationals weren't probably at their highest of quality and, and we were, weren't putting in as many resources as, as we could have. And I think seeing the transition from the first year to, to WBBO five, I think there's more athletic players out there. The, the batters are hitting it further, which sucks for bowlers, And then the bowlers <laughs> are, are bowling it faster. So, um, yeah, at the moment seeing that there's consistent scores over one 50 increasing each year kind of shows where the game's going. Um, and for me, it's obviously nice from my point of view being involved in cricket in a long time to, to see the backing from Cricket Australia and Fox and Seven and everyone that gets on board to, to pump out our game and you know have our first standalone season and, and have it be an outstanding one. Um, it's pretty pretty really cool to be a part of.
2: Yeah, it is indeed. And, and you're a full-time cricketer now?
3: Yep. Yeah, I have been uh, for a few years since we introduced the Central Contacts contracts uh, with Cricket Australia. It's just now that we're involved with the MAU that it's a little bit easier to live than it was uh, about five years ago.
1: You mentioned before, uh, Megan, more more resources. So what does that look like then week to week? Does that mean more training sessions? Is it more coaches now amongst the squad? What what is more resources?
3: Yeah, all of that really. I think more hours are put in, more structure around training sessions, uh, better analysts now, spending more time um, having Fielding coach, batting coach and, and all the individual things that, you know, just help little clicks get better. I think that, you know, we all, as customers I think we always know what we want to work on, but you might not always have someone there to support you or actually be able to help you achieve your goals or what you're trying to change. So now that we have those resources there, everyone's been able to start their level and it's fantastic to see.
1: Megan congratulations again on the win today beating the Perth Scorchers and now on to the final tomorrow which gets underway at 1:40 uh, p.m. Uh, up in Queensland so 2:40 down the east coast and uh what is that 2:10 into uh, into South Australia for all of your Adelaide Strikers fans. Um good luck tomorrow. Hope uh, hope it all goes well for you and uh, you can continue on our uh, our Midas touch that we provide our guests. Good luck.
3: <laughs> Thanks very much guys.
1: Go well Megan. <laughs> Megan Shutt, Megan Schutt from the Adelaide Strikers into the Women's Big Bash final. Um, fantastic for the Strikers. Should be a great game. The Strikers and the Heat, I reckon. The two best teams, clearly, this season.
2: Yeah, they have been. Consistent performance. Some some of the teams have started slow and picked up and that. But all the way through, the, the Strikers and, uh, and the Heat have certainly been uh, the standouts. So... Good luck to Megan, and good luck to my strikers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no bias at all here on no, Stumps. No at all. <laughs> uh, Bryce McGain, Jordan Canellis. This is Stumps. We'll continue on the cricket chat next, and we'll uh, cast an eye now towards next week with the start of the New Zealand and Australia Test series. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket. Welcome back to Stumps, Jordan Canellis and Bryce McGain. The uh, last time you and I met, uh, Bryce, last week. To do this, the uh, last test match was still on. Uh, We're in the middle of it between Australia and Pakistan. So um, I guess we can sort of do a brief wrap-up. Everyone knows the result already, but I guess the overall result, the game sort of went on a little bit longer than what we all anticipated. I think we were, what was it, day two when, last Saturday? Yeah, it was day two because it started on Friday.
2: That's right. So Dave Warner was batting and and they they
1: declared just around the time we're on air, I think. Yeah, and so we were thinking, oh, day three, it's going to be wrapped up and ended up going a little bit longer than that, but, um, but still comprehensive for Australia An innings win in both, um, test matches. So, um, I guess what are the main things we, we end up taking away from that two test series? Cause it, it was done comfortably for Australia.
2: Well, the first thing Australians love playing in Australia. Yeah, that's for sure. Dave Warner loves Australian conditions. Yeah. We gave him a bundle of votes, of course, with our, uh, stumps player of the year that our, um, for our international, uh, games. And, uh, Look, he, he's clearly in the votes, 335 not out, uh, three votes for Dave Warner and batted superbly. Um, and and he, had a, he had an ally um, in Manus Labashain, mm-hmm. 162 not out, um, which was fantastic as well. So, look, it was, uh, sorry, 162 he was out. Um, look, I, I thought Australia batted exceptionally well and it probably just highlighted the Pakistan's inexperience with their attack. Um, they were quite young, they were fresh, um, and they had a lot of potential. And they had some pace, but not consistency. And Australia just simply outclassed them in home conditions. Um,
1: so we may as well do the votes. Yeah. So Sorry, Warner, three votes?
2: Yeah. I thought Mitchell Stark, when the when the game was there to be won in the first innings, he bowled exceptionally well, at six for 66, mm-hmm. and then followed up in the second innings with one for 47. seven. Uh, Honourable, So two votes for him. One vote to Shane uh, for his 160. Uh, five wickets to Nathan Lyon in the second innings was terrific. Um, good to see that again. He loves the Adelaide Oval in the second innings uh, yeah. after a, a learning experience early in his career there where he probably didn't uh, execute as well on a spin wicket, but he did exceptionally well uh, getting five wickets. But it did take Australia a bit longer. There was some good fight by Pakistan.
1: Um, I feel like it's always the case with the Test Series with involving Australia that we have no idea what the squad's going to be. Before the series, before the summer, and then we get to two two matches in and unless things are going absolutely dire, um, we normally know what the squad is going to look like for the rest of the whatever the 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 ensuing period of time, whether that's a couple of tests or a whole summer in this yep. case. um so in this particular situation, is that the same? we've we picked a squad at the start of the the summer and is it going to be pretty much the same eleven right through until the end of the new year's test?
2: I would suspect so. Uh, the, the next test uh, in in Perth starts on Thursday. So th- there's a good break after the Adelaide test, and then there's a good break, obviously, for Christmas and then uh, the Boxing Day test. So what it, what it does allow is that same bowling lineup. If there were changes to come in, you could have um, James Pattinson coming in because uh, he's bowling exceptionally well. I've watched him for all the Shield games that he's played. He's doing really well. So he's ready to go should yeah. he need to. But the other bowlers are doing exceptionally well. Pat Cummins? Uh, Hazelwood, Stark, they're bowling exceptionally well. So um, I, I, I can't see them making the changes as long as they're fresh and ready
1: to go. The the, the squad change for the New Zealand series, uh, Cameron Bancroft dropped, uh, but Pattinson and Michael Neeser still remain in the extended squad. I don't really suspect, as you've just outlined, it probably won't be any of them. We won't see them in Perth. Um, but Cameron Bancroft, I mean, what's the... What's the significance around dropping one player, having Cameron Bancroft go out? I think Trevor Holmes said that there's just no need for an extra batsman in the uh, in the squad. They're pretty happy with their lineup at the moment. Would you take an extra batsman just as an insurance policy, or is that sort of a redundant thing in cricket? No, oh, look, I, I think
2: around the concussion sub, that's how they mentioned that they were putting him into, into the side. It certainly wasn't on form because he was the least yeah. performing batsmen out of the the bundle of names that we could have thrown all together, including Marcus Harris, who's made hundreds and things like that already. And and he, his run of lean form continues. So he, he really doesn't warrant that spot. Uh, and they, they've really settled with their batters. I think that they've all seen that they're in good form. Um, Travis Hedderby itching for a, an involvement in the game. He played the whole test match in Adelaide without yeah. uh, <laughs> facing a ball, without bowling a ball, without taking a catch. So it, the, it, the,
1: Did you see that same stat as well, like the third player in Australian history or something to do that? It was extraordinary, yeah, Yeah, that he just
2: had no involvement (laughs) in the game. He just fielded. (laughs) Um, They could have at least given him an over at some point, but uh, it wasn't to be. So look, he'll be itching to get back into it, but everyone else is in great touch. So um, just leave it, have it settled, and it's a funny thing, the mentality of that, that settled mentality will have the batsmen calm. They're not on edge. They can just relax and get on with the job. And there'll be no doubt that the, the, the same batting group will continue after Perth, that'll continue into the Boxing Day test, which I know that every player, every Australian cricketer wants to play in that one. So there'll be a lot of settled players, I think, um, including Burns, uh, including Wade, including Head, that
1: they'll get that opportunity to play at Boxing Day. Um what of New Zealand then? What what can we expect from them? They've come off a, a pretty good uh, series against England. Had a win. They drew their most recent test match against uh, against England, but some great individual performances as well. B.J. Watling had a, a pretty great series, and we know the strength of their their batting lineup with Tom Latham there, and also Kane Williamson, the the central figure of of their uh, their top six. Yeah, and Taylor as well. So yeah. the,
2: their batting lineup it's as good a New Zealand team I reckon that has ever been. I, th- really? I, I really do. I, I think it's a terrifically balanced side. Some good news for them is that Trent Bolt, the left arm quick, he'll be up. He had a side strain, so he missed a, a, the, the test uh, most recently against England. So he's available, and Colin de Grantheim as well, mm-hmm. all-rounder class in the middle. So they have options there. Wagner is a terrific bowler and, yeah. and aggressive and mean and angry and all those type of things. Yeah. So he, he'll really enjoy the conditions in Perth. So, and, and Southie as well. So I think they're incredibly balanced. The thing that's going to hurt them is that they're going to have to bat. That They've played really well against England, terrifically well. But the wickets are so different, so different to what they've experienced. Slow New Zealand wickets, they're going to Perth now. And and we've seen inside the stadium there, it's bouncy. Yeah. And it will be quick. It is a day-night game. So they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle. They'll be hopping and jumping, and it'll be very hard to adjust 10 days after they've just played in a test match and grounded out on a really slow wicket, suddenly it's whizzing, whistling around their ears. It's going to be really difficult.
1: Do you know when they – are they in Australia now? Have they landed? Uh, I'm not certain. Okay, because I'm, I'm not either.
2: Yeah. Because
1: that – Get over it, quick. It's Yeah, well, it's kind of just clicked in my mind now that they are having to travel from New Zealand to Perth, which in itself is a huge time difference, plus the game is a day-night game as well. So I don't know what that's going to do for their – their body clocks—it's twelve
2: so. hours completely out of whack. There, I think, yeah. yeah, with the day night, um, exactly, yeah. Well, they'll be playing cricket like three in the morning. That's, that's craf- what it'll that's, feel like. That's
1: crafty from Cricket Australia. Yeah, well done.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Peter Roach is behind that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> no, look, it's. It, I'm excited for it. I'm really looking forward to it. I think the the, the first test it, it's going to be a shake up for them. There are no conditions like this in the world. No. And and they've been able to replicate the whacker into that stadium. It's been bouncy and quick, and we've seen it. And uh, we've seen it when the Pakistanis uh, were a part of that. Look, I, I think um, it's going to shake them up. But when it comes to Melbourne and Sydney, I think they'll handle themselves pretty well. It's exciting times. New Zealand haven't been out here for so long in the summer because, obviously, it's their shared summer and they yeah. they, they need home games and things like that um, to, to keep sustaining their own cricket. And keep funding that economically they need to have touring teams over there but it's terrific to have them here and i'm really excited for that boxing day test
1: let's hear justin langer the coach of the australian team on uh, the summer so far so wrapping up the end of the pakistan series and then on to new zealand
0: i think it's been a a great two test matches for the australian cricket team coming back coming from a great start to the summer a tough winter um, in england it's been a fantastic two test matches.
1: So the summer starts here, you've won the first two by innings. They're, they're big wins. Now the main event, New Zealand.
0: Will these tests have you
1: battle-hardened for what's to come, do you think?
0: I, honestly, Gerard, I think I said leading into the T20s, we were battle-hardened. Yep. We went, came to this series, we're bat- because it's not just about these two. We've just played an Ashes Test series. We also played India last year. So we've had the two heavyweight contests. We're ready to go. We're ready to go. And New Zealand, we love playing New Zealand. They're a very good team. They're playing good cricket. They're, they always scrap and claw. They've got a good bowling attack. They've got some batters in the the top 10 in world cricket. So they're going to be a tough – but we're ready to go.
2: Justin Langer, mm-hmm. they're ready to go. And he's right. They're, they're, they are going to be a challenge, um, New Zealand, coming up. But uh, obviously, Justin Langer, winning form is good
1: form. Yeah. and they're, they're really, really pleased. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah I I just I'm just I think and I pray that it will be a competitive test series and we will get that. New I'm, Zealand because New, New Zealand have their team better down yeah. better than what Pakistan had.
2: Yeah most definitely and experience They're, re- in they're there. ready to go. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It just concerns me the conditions over there. One of the uh, highlights during the week was also Ian Chappell um suggesting that uh that Steve Smith may be undermining Tim Payne. Here's what Steve Smith said about it.
0: Yeah, look, I only try and help Tim as much as I can. You know, um, he's doing a terrific job, but I, um, you know, I give him suggestions and things like that. I only want the team to do well. I'm, I'm certainly not undermining him by any stretch of the imagination, and you know, people are entitled to their opinions. But yeah, I, I certainly don't believe that to be the case. That's for sure.
2: No, certainly not. I think uh, it's a different time. That's, it, that's a ridiculous
1: claim, surely.
2: Well, I guess in Ian Chappell's era, which is some time ago, uh, it. It was the captain did everything. The coaching was even to the side. You'd go and speak to the captain. The captain ran the whole show. Mm. But now it's a lot more collaborative environment where they there are well, there's a couple of vice captains in the team, and Steve Smith has been there with experience. It's a lot more collaborative. Bring together the ideas and and so forth. It's more of a modern thinking and a modern approach. So I think they really understand what it is. Ian Chapel would have seen that and. Steve Smith looking to move fielders around and do those type of things. But Tim Payne would be really open to that
1: and probably embrace it. But the way, I don't know, just saying he's undermining Tim Payne almost makes it out to look, makes Steve Smith... Uh, out to look like he's malicious, almost. Yeah,
2: but which I, uh, it's just I don't. And I think Steve Smith handled that really well. <laughs> yeah. I, I just want the team to do well. I've got some ideas. I can see things a bit differently, and that's a collaborative, modern environment. That's what you want. You want people to see things differently. You want a difference of opinion, really. You don't mm. just want to have one person dictating terms and telling people what to do all the time. You want that collaborative environment because we know ultimately that that's a more successful one. But people need to be able to be open to that to have that type of environment. And there's no doubt Tim Payne is.
1: We'll take a break here on Stumps. Jordan Kanellis, Bryce McGain, we'll come back on the other side of this and wrap things up from the week in crickets and continue to look ahead to what's coming up. Stumps coming back next. You're listening to Stumps, your weekly update for everything cricket. Welcome back to Stumps. Jordan Canellis and Bryce McGain with you. Bryce, as we wrap, wrap things up on Stumps for this week, this time next week, we'll be into day three of the New Zealand Test uh, match the first one at Perth. So I look forward to that. But there is plenty of other cricket happening uh, over the, uh, the course of the next couple of days and weeks too.
2: Well, absolutely. I guess the big one uh, is the WBBL final tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, my strikers are playing the heat. Uh, so that's at 2.40 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, uh, a little bit later or a little bit earlier uh, for the Adelaide uh, listeners. Um, the first test is next Thursday. That's something to look forward to, yep. Australia versus uh Versus New Zealand. That's in Perth Stadium. That's going to be excellent. And guess what, India are doing this week? What? They're going to play T20 cricket. More of that. T20, really? Yeah, they're playing another T20 game. Yeah. They're playing the West Indies this time. <laughs> so, funnily enough, you know, they love their T20. A billion people want to watch it, so they deliver it. Uh, and more T20 cricket this week. They're playing on Monday and Thursday in Mumbai. So, when the test matches are on, that's happening. Interestingly, Pakistan had a ripper preparation. They're playing a test match that starts on Wednesday in Royal Pindi. Uh mm. They're playing Sri Lanka. So the first time that test cricket is back in Pakistan. So that's really interesting
1: for them, and they'd be well prepared, I would have thought. They should be. They should be. This, the, this series took a little while for the dates to be confirmed. I think there was a bit of bit of to-do beforehand, but they finally locked down the two dates, and they got two test matches in Pakistan, which is always nice.
2: Yeah, exactly. Ten years after Ten the, years. Yeah, the Sri Lankan... Uh, Will issue over there where the bus got um, shot at, uh, yes. the terrorist attack on on there. And uh, Brave Sri Lanka heading back there, um, which is terrific. Terrific for test cricket, terrific for cricket around the world. And the women's uh, Australia Ray are playing India Ray in a whole series of one-day games developing next week, Thursday, Saturday, and Monday up at AB Field.
1: It would be remiss of us not to mention Bob Willis as well. He passed away during the week at the age of 70. So condolences to all involved. Bryce, we'll see you again next week.
2: Looking forward to it.